Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 240 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here on a Monday with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. What? <laughs> like, this has never happened I know, before. We, <laughs> we really don't change up our schedule very often. We are known to pop in unexpectedly with, with extra stuff, but a Tuesday is a Tuesday it's is a Tuesday. It's never happened on a Monday, though. <laughs> I don't think we've ever done anything unexpected on a Monday. It's just not how we're wired. Mondays, no. are, for, Mondays are for coasting. That's true. Mondays are for prepping Tuesday's episode. Exactly. So if you are a longtime listener, you know that Tuesday is our day. But this year, Tuesday is uh, Christmas Eve. That's tomorrow. And we don't ever really like to skip a holiday week. But we thought that if we showed up a day early, it gives those of you who are still wrapping and packing and traveling or cleaning up from the last week of school, which is what we're in right now as we record this. Absolutely. Um, yeah, a little more flexibility for when to listen. And you have this for you all Christmas week, whenever you want to listen. So happy Monday. Yeah. Happy Monday. <laughs> what are we talking about today? We are doing one of our favorite things, right? Yep. We're taking questions from listeners. We do this every what, about quarterly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we and we back these up. So we do back to back episodes. Only this time we're going to throw us through another surprise wrench in the works. Yes. And we're going to slide in another Monday episode next week. That is not a listener question episode. So it's going to go listener questions today. We're going to let you guys get through the holidays and then we'll come back with listener questions the following. So like two weeks from tomorrow. Correct. The first, Am I right about that? Mm-hmm. Okay. The only thing that um, you are not right about is next week it will be back to a Tuesday. Next Tuesday oh. is uh, New Year's Eve. So we'll have a, a short episode on New Year's Eve, um, a little something special from us. And then, yeah, as you said, the first regular Tuesday episode of 2020 will be another listener questions episode. Well, that's what you get, Sarah, for letting me pretend like <laughs> I know any details around here. But yes, it's going to go Monday, details. Tuesday, Tuesday. You knew all the details. <laughs> um, yeah, so we have four listener questions to get to today and then four more coming up in a couple of weeks. So we had a lot of fun with these. If you are curious how to send in a question, just check the show notes. We have several ways. We especially love hearing your voices. So um, in 2020, that can be uh, a little a little goal of mine is to increase the number of voicemail questions we get. It's just so fun to hear your hear your voices. So we have a couple of those and we will get to the first one right after the break. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor Meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor Meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah. And for any listeners with wellness goals this month, 
Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle. Whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code themomhour 15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, so our first question came in from Missy over SpeakPipe, which is a great way to leave a voicemail for us. And Missy has little, little kids and kind of wants to know, when is this going to get more fun? So we'll play, <laughs> we'll play Missy's message for you right now. Hey, Megan and Sarah, this is Missy from Minnesota. Um, I just finished listening to your episode on Megan going all out for the holidays this year with her uh, exterior illumination project and how she actually can recruit help from her kids this year, where things in the past that used to be more stressful really aren't so overwhelming uh, anymore. And they're even kind of fun. So I mean this in the nicest way possible, but I have a three-year-old boy, a one and a half-year-old boy, and I'm recently pregnant with another baby on the way due next summer. And I am wondering when things start to become more fun again. I'm definitely in the thick of the stage where things are just more overwhelming um, and sort of a hassle than they are fun. Um, but I still love the idea of incorporating all of the holiday joy and the magic and even other things just around the entire year that are just more work than they are fun. So I'm just looking for that time I can look forward to when things start to become a little bit less of a hassle and they start to become a little bit more enjoyable. So thanks so much. I love everything you guys do. Keep doing what you're doing. Bye. Gosh, Missy. This is a really good question. When <laughs> does it when does it get more fun? And I had to do the mental math um, and check it with Sarah, because as we know, I am not great with the details sometimes. Um, but it sounds like you are about to have a newborn, a two year old and a four year old. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that you really are in the thick of things. Let's just first acknowledge that I love that Missy knows that it isn't very fun right now and that <laughs> the hassle factor outweighs the fun factor. And she pulled this from whenever we talked about that most recently. But when we talked about it, it was in your going all in on the holidays, Megan. Oh, and right. Yes. It was about how long it takes you to unlearn that this visceral sense that like, oh my gosh, I cannot go to a tree lighting. It's going to be a nightmare. And then your right. kids are all of a sudden older and you're like, oh wait, no, that used to be a nightmare. It is no longer. So Missy's asking when, like, when does that transition happen from being more hassle to more fun? Um, not just at the holidays, but all the time. And the funny thing is I was thinking about this. I think the answer should be that it's gradual, of course, like everything. It's not like you flip a switch. But I actually do have a very specific memory of one summer when my youngest was two and a half. So then my oldest would have been newly five and newly seven. Um, and we traveled a lot that summer. And I just remember feeling like, oh, my gosh, this is easier. And so a few things clicked into place that don't it's not two and a half isn't the magic age. But for me. Um, my third child did not sleep through the night till she was two and a half. That's a conversation mm -hmm. for another time. So uh, we were finally all sleeping. Um, she potty trained herself at two and a half rather easily. 
she didn't drop naps altogether, but uh, they became a lot more flexible and kind of optional if we were traveling. And all those things seemed to happen at once. And so when you remove diapers, naps, and bad sleep, if you've been in the land of diapers, naps, and bad sleep for years and years and years, things just naturally get a whole lot more fun. Now, the other side of this is, of course, it's not like it was all miserable until that moment and all fun after that moment. But I do look back at that summer as feeling like it felt like I know we had another listener question asked one time, when will it feel like I have a pack of three kids instead of two kids and a baby? And this is I think I probably answered it much the same way, which is that when that baby was two and a half, three, it all of a sudden felt like I had a pack of kids and it was a really fun cool, rewarding feeling after the hard part. Now you have five kids, Megan. So you never like, it it was never probably one moment for you. It wasn't one moment. I do agree that it's gradual, but it doesn't seem gradual at the time. And then suddenly it seems like, wow, um, something really shifted. But I'll also say you can't underestimate the personality of the third kid in dictating Uh how this goes. So even, so it just so happens that my second and fourth were hard and my third and fifth were easy. Mm -hmm. And so when I had two, by this point, slightly older children and a baby. So my spacing was a little bit different. Mine would have been like, say, William was a newborn and then a four and a six year old. So that's a pretty big, you know, different spacing there. But that was fun because he was a really chill baby. So Mm -hmm. I had like two relatively big kids and then this fun baby that everyone likes to goo goo gaga at. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Same thing with Clara. It was like a five-year-old, a three-year-old who were kind of coming into their own and getting more easy and more just, just knowing how to be, you know, like just knowing how to be. And then this kind of easy baby. So that can happen. That could be you. Yes. Um, It's just really hard to say. And if you have a, if your third edition baby is um, ultraviolet, ultraviolet. (laughs) Yes. you, You may find that it, it just takes a little bit longer. Yeah. And your, hers are really closely spaced, even more right. closely spaced, I believe, than than mine. Um, and so, that she, you know, Missy knows that will be a challenge. I think another part of the question that I heard was, are there ways to capture those little bits of fun when you are in the trenches without, you know, overextending yourself or doing something like trying to take everyone to Disneyland at night for right. the fireworks where you just know it's going to be meltdown city. And I think You know, we were very judicious. I was very miserly about spending money on anything I thought was not going to be fun for me. And because of that, we didn't do we didn't do theme parks. We didn't do a lot of things because I have a low tolerance for stress and chaos. And so I feel like we did opt out of a lot, but we didn't opt out of everything. We were big into daytime activities as opposed to being out at night because it wasn't fun for me to be out past bedtime with a bunch of little kids. So we found our way. We did a lot of getting together with families of similar aged kids where they had the same kind of priorities, where it was going to be short, it was going to be easy, but we could still have fun. Um, I know we're releasing this in the last part of the year, but I remember we would do a New Year's party that ended at eight o'clock or something like that. So I do feel like we found our fun and it was generally close to home, affordable and during the day. And we just kind of had to like make it fun ourselves rather than trying to force ourselves into these like air quotes, fun activities for families. Um, I think a lot of times you get excited to participate in in those things until you realize they're really for older kids. And there's time when you have a four, six and eight year old those are the golden years. Like all three kids will enjoy the same things and you'll be, you know, diaper free, nap free. So you'll get there. And I think it's okay if you kind of make smaller fun in the meantime. And I think that's why for so long we really had the house that everyone came to, because Mm -hmm. even though you would think that as an extroverted person who likes doing stuff that I was constantly doing like those kinds of things with my kids, Mm -hmm. I was not, Mm -hmm. I was really, I just knew I couldn't, like, I would look at that situation and go, there's nothing about this. Like you said, Sarah, (laughs) this seems fun about taking five little kids to um, a Christmas parade. Not to say I never did that stuff, but like I really kept it very sparing, but it would be much more likely that I would invite other families to our house to watch a movie Mm -hmm. or something like that. And that was one way for me to kind of enjoy it from my sofa. Yeah, (laughs) I like, I just felt like it was more enjoyable to at least be in a comfortable space where if my kid flipped out, at least I was close to a bed or like their (laughs) bed, you know, it was just, it just was more controllable. Yeah. So that's kind of how I handled it. And there is time, like you said, for getting back out there. Yeah. And I think the just to put a bow on it, I think 
one thing that <laughs> increases the fun factor is that the kids themselves appreciate fun more as they get older. I think mm-hmm. when we have tiny kids, we are trying to be like the fun, like like the like the MC of fun. Like this is fun, guys. Look at the lights. Look at the characters. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about older kids is they you don't have to do that. They right. they have interests and they want to talk about them and they have things they want to go do and go see and you'll find yourselves having fun at things you didn't even like know were a thing. Like right. a, Pokemon convention or a, but they start to have their own interests and it's less on you to provide and manufacture those fun experiences. So and on the flip side of that, when they're that little, there's no need for that. There's no need for those experiences for them to have fun because they're having fun just like staring at the wall. Like, <laughs> you know, like they're really they're really able to create fun out of their environment when yes. they're small and there really is no need to necessarily yep go out looking for it, which is a vote for do what is fun for you as a mom yep. and the kids will be all right. Okay. I am going to set up our next question and I'll read a little bit of uh, Debbie's email. So it comes from Debbie. She says, hi, Megan and Sarah. I love your podcast. I started listening in December of last year and it has changed my life in a good way. So first wow. of all, thank, thank you, you, Debbie. So her question is about electronics during playdates. She says, I have two sons, ages eight and 10. And the issue is this. My older son has friends who have no limit on screen time. And a lot of his friendships are video game based. I see my younger son heading in a similar direction. So far, I've kept him off electronics completely and my older son to an hour during play dates. But at their friend's house, they can play unlimited. I want friends to want to come here and I want them to learn to interact with each other in ways other than electronics. But I'm concerned they'll not want to hang out here with my limit. Also concerned they won't learn how to interact without the screens. How do you both handle this, Megan, especially you as the kids get older? Well, one thing to keep in mind is that these kids can play together all the time, like even if they're not together in person. So I have not found there to be a huge correlation between my kids wanting to get together in person and my kids wanting to get together in person with their friends specifically only to play games. If, does that make any sense? Like mm-hmm. when they were littler um, and the games were different, it was actually more of a thing because that was before everyone was online. So the kids would get together and want to play like my oldest would want to get together with their buddies and play Xbox because they had no way to do that. Right. When they weren't, you know, all separated out. Um, so I think there's actually an opportunity to make it less of a thing than maybe it feels like, which may seem a little counterintuitive. Um, But I, you know, here's the thing. They're going to want to do it. They're definitely going to want to play the games. There are ways to, I think, kind of draw a middle ground. Like if you're having, say, a play date on the weekend or a sleepover, I have um, relaxed rules around electronic use. I've kind of, I'm not going to say turned a blind eye to it, but, but I've allowed more gaming to happen than I might have if it was just my kid at home and they had chores to do mm-hmm. and other things. But then I also have always kind of set up the date, the play dates to have other things, um, other activities like a board game. Maybe they're going to play Dungeons and Dragons or Catan or something like that. I just think that like the parent sometimes just has to suggest it. Yeah. Um, and be the one to supply, like, supply it as an alternative rather than just expecting the kids to figure it out because this is how they interact with each other. And so it's like, they're so habituated to doing it that way that you may have to actually like plant the idea. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Another thing I've done is like given them 10 bucks and told them to get out of my house and go (laughs) spend it. Your kids are a little young for that, but as they get older, I mean, that is kind of an option. If you live in a town that's safe to navigate, like, Hey, go out, Go outside and go get yourselves into trouble. Yeah. For I lack love it. of a better word. The old fashioned way. <laughs> the old fashioned way. Yes. Um, I just, I wouldn't worry too much. They won't want to hang out there because all of my kids have different rules around um, video game use. I mean, all my kids' friends have yeah. different rules and it has not been a deterrent for my kids to go to anyone's houses because they do or do not have certain games, play certain games. It's never been like, that's never been the thing. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, Yeah. no, it's never come up. Now, I think for my kids, because they have fairly relaxed rules at home, they don't see their friends' houses as a way to get in video game time they don't have at home. Mm -hmm. And I personally like that Mm -hmm. because like, I feel like it takes kind of the pressure off the other mom and the other family and like, if like they can go there and do whatever and be happy, yeah. they can go there and, and have time. Now, I have also noticed that there are kids who come to my house 
and they want to have like a video game free for all and can't get off the video games in my house because they aren't able to use them at home. Mm -hmm. So that's not like any kind of judgment on that parent. But I also don't want to then have to be the heavy Mm -hmm. that then tells that kid they can't play video games at my house, even though my rule is like I probably wouldn't make them stop. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like it's a very complicated thing. And I also feel like it's one of those things that's really hard to talk to other parents about. Agreed. Because there's a lot of implication of judgment. And even when it's been kids um, who spend a lot of time who have spent a lot of time with my boys uh, and who I'm on good terms with the parents with and think that we get along, like that we'd be on the same mindset. Like it just, when I've tried to kind of say, Hey, let's get on the same page about it. doesn't work. Like it's never worked. It's always kind of ended up feeling like the other parent feels judged, even though what I meant was I'm struggling to help me. Like Mm -hmm. let's help each other, help, help each other. And in the end, my kids spend the majority of their time at my house. So Mm -hmm. I'm not that concerned about what they do when they're at other people's houses. Like to me, if I would have said, eh, like guys, let's play for an hour and then do something else. But they go to someone else's house and play for three hours. Like that's not a hill I'm going to die on. So I don't know if this is like, I know when my oldest were the ages of your boys, um, Debbie, I probably was a little more worried about it than I am now that I've got a 14 and a 16 and a 20 and a 22. It just... I think it's something I gave so much mental energy to and in the end mattered a lot less than I thought it would. Well, that is like the bow I'm putting on that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's really helpful. If I'm listening as Debbie, first of all, I'm very reassured that it doesn't seem like the preference of where kids spend time is like a, a super correlation with how much video game is allowed at that house. And it made me think back to when I was a kid. And don't you remember that like each house had its had its thing that you were excited to do. Yes. Like some yep. houses have the great snacks. Some have the super nice mom who's like just really fun to be around. That's you, right? You're the super fun. Oh mom. my gosh. I'm um, so, I'm so fun. No, but I do remember, <laughs> I remember liking my friend's houses. Sometimes I liked my friend's houses because there wasn't a mom around and it was less supervised. Yeah. And sometimes I liked, you know, the books. I remember going to my friend's houses and reading the books on their shelves because yes. I was a reader, you know? So I, it's, I think it's reassuring to hear um, that, kids won't not want to come to your house because there's a different set of rules. In fact, my kids are younger and I only have one boy who likes to game. So I have a lot less experience here. Um, but in my experience, the boys, and I do have a nine-year-old. So my, my son is the right in the middle of the age of Debbie's. And in my experience, the boys that age are very used to house rules around video games. They don't all have the same house rules, but everybody knows that for every house where there's a video game console, there's a mom lurking in the background. Who's going to tell you to turn it off. And whether that happens after one hour or three hours, or maybe never, or maybe you don't turn it on at all. They kind of, um, I've, I've definitely shut down or said, Hey guys, let's just have this be a quick part of the play date and then go do something else. And I've never been met with like the other kids looking at me, like I'm from outer space, even though no, I, never. I, I know I'm more conservative than the other moms, but their moms are still t- at some point telling them to shut it off. So they they're are all very, used to having it they, shut off at some yeah, point. And, and they have been fine about it. I will bring up one, um, specific anecdote. Cause my son Reed is, um, really his behavior is affected by a lot of gaming and he's still young. So I have been really conservative about it at home. And there was a situation where it was a new friend and I knew Reed kind of wanted to go there. Like you said, Megan, he wanted to go there because he wanted to like watch YouTube uninterrupted for five hours. And I was a little worried that that would affect his friendship because it's a kid he really loves to play with. But I, I was a little concerned that if the play dates got started with that as the expectation of what they do, at that house that Reed wouldn't be wanting to go there for the right reasons. And I did say something to the mom and I, you know what I did is I, I blamed it on myself and my own kid. And I tried to remove any judgment, but I was like, Hey, we're having some behavior challenges at home related to, you know, the tablet use. And I'm hoping this first play date could just be screen free just to remove that as a, and she was super nice about it. And I just made it, I made it about like not anything about judging what goes on in her house. And she might've still felt a little bit, judge, but she has a very different house structure than mine. And I, and so I think it actually turned out okay. And the boys didn't do screens that day and now they do sometimes, but it, it set the precedent that we're not going to, this is not why we want to go to this friend's house. It's mm-hmm. you want to go there because you like your friend, not because the screen rules are different and it, it, it worked. So I did bring it up. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, 
who knows? Like there's probably been times I, d- I brought it up and it was fine in the end. I think, I think for me, it became me trying to control things that were outside of my control. Yeah. Um, and I had two boys who were doing a lot of play dates at that time. And then other boys who were coming up like play date aged. Mm-hmm. And it was like, uh, okay. <laughs> like I can control what happens in my house. And of course I can control to some, like I'm not letting them go over there and like watch X-rated movies or right. something either. But like, as long as there wasn't aftermath, because you know, like if your kids do sleepovers and I know that's like a whole nother thing. Yeah. Um, my kids have done sleepovers on and off throughout their lives. It like, it hasn't always been a thing. It's been more actually, um, cousin uh-huh. sleepovers, but there have been like a handful of friends that over the years they've all had sleepovers with. And there are some kids, my kids would come home and just be rotten after yeah. a sleepover. And I started to figure out, like I could figure out what was going on. Well, they probably stayed up way too late. Um, they probably then had like, like probably had a bunch of junky food. Like who knows what it was? Yeah. Maybe it's the personalities. I don't know what it was, but this isn't cool. So they're just not going to spend the night there anymore. And so I like, I let it usually play out as it would. And then, and then would like retroactively, um, change the circumstances yeah. if it didn't go well. Yeah. So that's just like another way to do no, it. I, and, and, and that actually reminded me of something Debbie said that, I love that she, first of all, it sounds like she's open to experimenting with this because she knows it's not, it's not a set it and forget it. And she's also trying something different with her 10 year old than she is with her eight year old, which I really applaud her for that because Mm -hmm. first of all, I don't have two boys. It's a little different, but I do know what it's like to want to retrofit the same rule for two kids who are closely spaced, but it's not always the right thing. So I love that she's saying, you know, the 10 year old does get some more flexibility. He has more friendships. He's gaming online the eight-year-old's not ready for that and we're limiting it. And um, I just want to acknowledge that that's not easy to do, but it's often um, really helpful for the kids. And I'm guilty sometimes of being like, well, let's just apply the same rule to everyone because it's easier well, I think me. all parents are yeah. <laughs> guilty yeah. of that sometimes. Yeah. But yes, so, I appreciate that. Well, that too. was a really, a really good question. And I know I'm just heading into a lot of this. I've, I've delayed it as long as possible. So I appreciate the advice too. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Sarah, you and I talk a lot about what a great bonding experience it can be when families explore hobbies together. And that makes me think of our sponsor, Carnegie Hall Kids. Carnegie Hall Kids is a free website for kids ages 5 through 12 to learn about music through fun games and quizzes. And they have so many online resources that can help facilitate music education as a family. So if music and culture are a value in your family, I think this is such an easy way to explore that. Yeah. Before we started working with Carnegie Hall kids, I knew about Carnegie Hall because of all the famous artists who have performed there over the last, you know, 100 years or so. And now I think it's so great. They're making all that incredible music and history accessible to kids all over the world for free. Yeah. And with summer break around the corner, moms are always looking for some guilt free screen options to offer their bored kids. I would suggest Carnegie Hall Kids Interactive Musical Explorers Around the World Map. It teaches kids different musical traditions like Vietnamese folk, cumbia from Colombia, bluegrass and jazz from the U.S., and a lot more. Yeah, that map is really fun. Well, listeners, whether you're looking for music education you can do as a family or for your kids to explore independently, start the musical journey early and go to kids.carnegiehall.org to check out fun, child-friendly games and quizzes. 
Okay, we're back with a question from Victoria. It says, hey, Sarah and Megan, I'm curious to know if you two have ever talked about dealing with disappointment as a mom and your expectations don't match with how things go down. I'm a new mom. And while I didn't have anything particularly big planned for my girls first Halloween, I found myself disappointed that night when I put them to bed that it wasn't more of a big day. Uh, well, I know this particular holiday will get more exciting as they get older. It got me thinking about how to approach things like this with a more realistic approach as we carry along. So, Sarah, I'm thinking this is probably something you're more likely to have dealt with over the years. I definitely think that expectations equaling reality equals happiness. Yes. <laughs> and when there's like the not equal sign between expectations yes. and reality, that equals disappointment or feeling like you fell down in the job. Um, I have not had that particular feeling around things like celebrating a holiday with babies, but have you? Um, you know, I think in the very, very early days, maybe, but I think today's new moms are subjected to a lot more expectations, mind bending uh, via yes, the Instagram. Like, so I, it's not even about not making the day big for her girls, but not making something big to record. Kind for posterity of. or yeah. it's almost like the expectations get skewed by what we're told to expect and the other thing about yeah. holidays is like they're also a normal day where you have to put your kid down for a nap mm -hmm. and you have to feed them and you have to sweep the floor and i think i do think um that that takes an adjustment in new motherhood i i think the um the expectations right sizing happened fairly quickly for me, which goes back to the very first question we answered about fun and how I just dialed all the expectations of fun way back for a few years. But I do think that this is pretty common in um, in early motherhood. But what about disappointment as a mom in general? Because I think this is something you've talked about, Megan, about just just managing feelings of things not going the way you want it, or even your, your motherhood life, not looking the way you thought it would. I mean, those oh, are for real sure. feelings. And sometimes I think what's really going on, like disappointment for me, it would have been more that I was not because I thought, Oh my gosh, my, my kid, my baby is going to look back on this Halloween and think it stunk because the baby's not going to remember that Halloween for me, it would have been more like I was disappointed with myself for not being able to pull it all off mm -hmm. or for not planning ahead. Like, um, one of the things that I think has been mind, uh, not mind blowing, but really life changing for me as a mom was when I decided to lean in on not doing mm -hmm. things. And, and we've talked about this a million times, but deciding not to do mm -hmm. is very different than feeling like you wanted to, and you didn't get around yeah. to it. Um, if you can make something, the story of who you are as a mom or, the decision you made because it fits your values or whatever it is like something about taking that active role, I think has helped me not feel disappointed when things, when I'm not the mom, maybe like in my fantasy, mm -hmm. I thought I would be because mm -hmm. I've made a choice not to do that thing. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Like, does that, does that what you're talking about? I know for sure when I was like a new, new mom, I was often disappointed that my life didn't look like something out of what would then would have been you know, Martha Stewart living magazine, uh -huh. yeah. but we got, I got over that pretty quick. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of, yeah. And that's yeah. what I am thinking too. I think with any feeling of disappointment or any feeling that is uncomfortable like that, it's really, really healthy. First of all, that you just acknowledge that you felt disappointed. Sometimes we skip that part and we're just, you know, mean to our husband or grumpy for a day. And we don't even really think like, what was I disappointed about? What, what was that about? What did I expect that Halloween? to look like and is it is it an expectations adjustment or is there something actually different that we could do next year i mean so much of motherhood is just the school of hard knocks and learning right you know applying what you learned last year to this year and i at this point in my motherhood i get kind of a kick out of that i'm like oh you know what i'm going to make better this year and you know it becomes a layering process but i think that doesn't happen until you dig into the feelings a little bit and just say you know, either to yourself, your journal or someone you trust, like that did not feel good. I've definitely had birthdays of my own that have felt disappointing where I thought, oh, I don't want to do anything for my birthday. And then I get to that day and it's like a super normal day. And I'm like, well, that also didn't feel fun. So um, I think just keep staying curious and keeping the inner dialogue going and trying to figure out what exactly about that felt disappointing. And you can tweak and you will tweak. Mm -hmm. The other thing I just thought of, I was thinking back to when 
um, Jacob was like two and, and Isaac was a new baby. And so much of my life as a mom then, like my success as a mom seemed centered around doing stuff, mm. um, whether doing stuff with the kids, doing stuff for the kids, but there was like a lot of doing going mm. on. And, and even this was like way before Instagram, but I think a lot of what I was consuming at that time, like the media I was consuming all had to do with crafts and activities and like enrichment and learning. Like, so it was, I was so parenting focused. I was mm -hmm. in this bubble where all I was thinking about was how to take these little people and turn them into like better little people or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I remember having a few nights where I would be putting them to bed and just think like, oh man, I blew this day. Like, what did I even do? Like, did mm -hmm. I do anything? Did anything get accomplished? Um, did I, do, did I plant anything in their brains? Did I enrich them? Yeah. And I think what helped me then, and now what helps me all the time, I do this, I think just as a reflexive, a reflexive practice is look back and think what you did do that day. Mm -hmm. It's usually more than you think mm -hmm. it's maybe it wasn't anything mind blowing, but when you really go back and tally, like all the things that happened during a day or a week or a season, it's almost always to me a pleasant surprise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I love that a lot. Um, well, Victoria, hopefully you are enjoying the holidays and uh, adjusting those expectations. Um, and I do think it does get better, get easier. Okay, I'm going to take us to our final question today, and I'm going to read it here. This comes from April, and she also has a very nice compliment for us. So I'm going to read that as well. She All says, right. I love listening to you during my one plus hour commute each way in Portland. I compare all other podcasts to yours on if it's well hosted, the right speed, women that help me grow, et cetera. And many, many don't make the cut. Okay. Wow. When she says the right speed, do you think I she was means just thinking, I, I think that means we maybe talk. Um, I don't know. I, I don't no know if she pacing? means literal um, verbal pacing, like the, you know, the speed that we speak at or something a little bit more metaphorical. I don't know, but we are the right speed. <laughs> It might mean like how we bounce from like one thing to the next. Right. Because the pacing. We of both the... talk too fast. I know that for sure. <laughs> and if you are out there listening to us on 1.25 or 1.5 speed, we know you're out there. We think you're crazy because we talk fast enough as it is. Yeah. Um, okay. Continuing on with April's actual question. She said your recent podcast on making adult conversations Sarah mentioned she had found media sources that kept her informed of the world we live in. I haven't tried very hard, but the little I have to find apps or websites that supposedly filter the content I'm interested in just don't fit what I'm looking for. I still find myself very anxious when hit with the news media around me, causing me to retreat into my small bubble and to be intentionally uninformed. I was wondering if you could share what media sources, apps, websites, blogs you've found to stay informed of the world around us, but in a less anxiety creating way. So this question came for me and we did talk about that in the episode about making adult conversation. I feel like we've touched on it a handful of other times as well. Um, it's a real thing. It is. Well, and can I can I say one thing before you? Because I know you have some real yeah. actual sources that you use um, and I'm a little more haphazard or scattershot. But one thing I have found is, I mean, this is so obvious, but like Facebook is like the anti, yeah. like whatever you do, if you just remove that mm -hmm. um, or way cut down, it helps because then I think you're just getting kind of a skewed version of what the facts are anyway. So it's not like, it's not like, I, I guess my only point is if you feel like you don't have time to delve into more meaty sources and you think, well, I'll just get on social media and that will kind of do the job for me. I think you're actually doing worse. Yes. Well, I'm going <laughs> to take that a step further because my first tip and this is for me, this is what works for me, is actually not to consume any screen-based news media. So what wow. I mean by okay. that is I choose audio or um, a physical newspaper sometimes, but mostly I choose audio. And here's why it feels less anxiety producing for me. When I'm on a screen, even if I go to the newyorktimes.com or cnn.com or one of the apps, and in, even if it's a news media source that I trust, um, when you are clicking and scrolling, you are, you know, uh, it, all of these have other links in there, other things that pop up yes. that will lead you. So it's very easy. They would like you to stay there, right? They'd like mm -hmm. you to stay in the consumption mode as long as possible. And so even what you may consider to be high quality um, sources, their websites are designed to keep you there as long as possible. And the keeping you there as long as possible is not meant to be um, a Zen experience. It is, it is meant <laughs> no. to be compelling, um, and sensationalized. And so 
I think almost anything I consume on a screen, especially if it's the phone in my hand, I might, maybe I'd read a longer form article on my computer or something, but um, so I, so for that reason, I am almost all audio. And so the specific resources that I have is I listen to NPR's Up First as a daily news podcast. And what I find is if my head is not in the right headspace, I actually just zone out. It's almost mm. like my brain can protect me from um, like too much by just, I just kind of find myself stop like not listening. Now that's not a great way to stay super informed, but I do think it prevents that like Oh my gosh, I got to hear the next one. Um, Another resource I've been leaning on lately is the NPR One app, which is different from a podcast. Um, The podcasts show up in your feed, obviously. You all know how to listen to a podcast. The NPR One app serves up short bits of audio in like a curated way, almost like Pandora would serve you up songs. And so when you open up the app, it says, would you like to start with the latest? And I always click yes. And it'll play the top of the hour newscast, which again is audio and it's only like five to eight minutes. And then it will start cycling through um, bits of audio that it thinks I will like. And it's a really great mix. Sometimes it's human interest. Sometimes it's international news. Sometimes it's a little fun and fluffy. And then you can, just like Pandora or anything else, you can thumbs up or swipe and it will start to learn what you like. And I really like having that on because it isn't just the breaking news. It's often Mm. something, um, and they'll also pull from your local NPR station. So like for me, it'll be, some deep dive into something that's happening in Los Angeles at the city level. And I'm like, Ooh, that's really interesting. I never would have known that. So that's been a really good one for me lately. Um, another thing I know people swear by, so Sarah Stewart Holland is our friend who hosts pantsuit politics and that's a political show that has one host from the left and one from the right. And their whole thing is nuance, um, and listening and being kind of a safe space. So I will definitely link them up, but I know Sarah from that show is a regular reader of daily news emails. And that is a way, mm. if it's coming to your email, again, you're not having the click around yes. problem. Um, and I know there's a lot of the skim and there's several daily news roundups where it can be short, quick, and you can be informed without spiraling. So I don't do that, but I think that's a great strategy. Um, and then the last one was I still get the um, Sunday paper. And I do really like settling in with a long form actual newspaper article in my hands once a week or so. Um, and I find that if it's a more complex topic that I want to be better educated about, there's something about holding that in my hand that keeps my focus longer than being on a screen or even listening. So that might be something international, or it might be something that, um, like local here to the state of California. Um, and I find myself drawn to the physical newspaper. So that's my, that's where I am. Now, I have a question for you. Have you ever used a reader inside of like a tablet? So like I know that Kindles, you can read the paper on a Kindle. I think I've never done right. it. Um, I, what I have is I've used Instapaper. Or iPad. Instapaper. Okay. And Instapaper um, is great because it saves. So anytime throughout the week that you come across an article you want to read that you have either on your phone or your computer anywhere, you click the little Instapaper applet that you've installed and it'll save it. And then when you open up Instapaper, it looks like there's no ads. There's no, it's, it's all scaled down. It looks really nice and pretty like a Kindle or something. And you can read the articles you've saved that week. So you're curating your own magazine kind of newspaper. Um, I, I sometimes get out of the habit of using Instapaper and I don't know why. I think it's because I like the idea of saving the articles mm. and then I don't have it built into my routine to read them. For a while, I was reading our podcast industry news that way because, you know, we get a couple of really interesting email newsletters. And then we both find that we don't read them because they come to our inbox where we're dealing with 25 million other things. So I was trying to find a way to set that aside for longer reading. And I can't say I was totally successful, but I do like Instapaper and I'll link that one up too. Okay. That's good. And I, cause I wondered if that would then take out the, the linking and things yes. in your face issue. <laughs> um, I do get the New York times. Um, they get like sent out a briefing Now I think this is new. Um, I don't remember always getting this like automatic sort of sum up in my email and suddenly I'm getting it. Or maybe now it's just catching my eye for whatever reason. There are still links. So you do have to be kind of careful because it's easy to, but because it's in your email, I don't feel like it's just a different experience. I don't really want to click the links because I don't want to go out of my inbox. Right. So um, it gives me just, just enough news that when I want to read that, I like it. And Mm -hmm. I guess my only other question for you about having a Sunday paper, and this is something I've struggled with. Um, 
because there's just so much in it. Mm-hmm. And I would feel really guilty about recycling, like reading one article and recycling the rest. I guess I, you know, that's so like, it's going to be printed here's anyway. How I, here's how I've justified that because I, <laughs> okay. you know, I have, I have waste guilt. I really don't like throwing mm-hmm. things away that I don't use, but I, first of all, it pays for my online subscription to the LA times and it, it comes. So it's sort of like, I'm paying for one Sunday paper that includes my full week's subscription to the digital version. And like you said, it's going to be printed anyway. I do try to keep a paper for a week and I keep it out on the coffee table and the kids will read the comics or will use it to cover the table for a craft or something like that. Um, One thing I do, and this doesn't help with waste, it just helps with the aesthetic of waste, is I always pull it out of the bag and I go through and I remove all the ads and stuff I don't want. And I put the sections in alphabetical order and it looks really nice on the table. And even if we don't consume a whole lot of it, I have just, this is a complete justification. I've just justified that I do consume a lot and I appreciate the LA Times reporting and I consume a lot of it digitally. So the physical paper just feels like one part of that package that I'm paying for and I'm supporting journalism. That's kind of like, yeah, but, but yeah, it's, it's paper that I don't always read. So that you got a point there. Well, and if you live in a place where like I'm in a place where I'm near I'm nearish to like two or three mid-sized cities and then one big city is a little further away. And then, you know, I for a while was getting the New York Times Sunday paper. That was way too much. Yeah. Like I, there was so much in it. <laughs> and it would make it really difficult to go through. So I've thought about going and saying, well, what's the near like what's the nearest metropolitan area? where I could get good news and maybe access. I really love reading the arts and culture section, Um, but I can actually act on it. Like, because I'm not going to fly to New York to go see like, you know, every show they write up. It's fun to look at and like fantasize about, but it's really not relevant to my life in that way. Um, But if I did something closer, it would be, and and it would be thinner. Yes, it would be thinner. So um, one thing we have, and I don't know, I don't, probably the Tribune wouldn't do this for you, but maybe some of the other Michigan cities would. So in our LA times and LA is about an hour and a half from me. So it's not, it's not my immediate area, but I could go there to see a play or whatever. Um, But in the LA times, there's the OC section and it's like, it has its own staff and it's the, Mm -hmm. like one of the last sections. And then it's Metro, like local to Orange County instead of LA. So I'm, I wonder if any of your papers would have a more like a section that's even more immediate than what that city is. Unfortunately, no. Okay. <laughs> the problem is that, and that actually might not be solved by going smaller because so many of the smaller papers, and this is like a totally like side conversation, yeah. but have been bought up by these big conglomerates and yeah. now it's all associated press news anyway. Right. So they truly do not like in an area like mine where it's so uh, specific and remote and like small, mm-hmm. then it wouldn't make any financial sense. Like they barely cover their own neighborhoods mm-hmm. in these papers. Now, Chicago Tribune actually might. Like they might have a Michigan section. It would yeah. be more likely that Chicago Tribune would have, or the Sun um, Sun Times or something, would have something Michigan that yeah. had to do with my area than a paper from Grand Rapids. Or something. From Grand Rapids, yeah. it might. There might be a story that mentions my town, but there wouldn't be like a section. Yeah with staff. It's just like the media here is really weird. It's right. very um, like everyone. It, it's very, what's the word I'm looking for? Like territorial, uh-huh. like everyone's kind of in their own little territories. So, but I mean, I wish they did. That would be great. But even something like South Bend, that's 45 minutes away. That is relevant yeah. to me. Like I would go there yeah. to see something or like I, that news is kind of our news mm-hmm. in a weird way. So yeah. So that's a good idea. I should do that. Well, um, I feel like we got a little bit off track with April's question, but hopefully, uh, I I almost feel like there's two different pieces of this. One is removing the anxiety, which is, I think what I spoke to, like, those are the ways that I buffer myself from falling down news rabbit holes that don't feel good to me. Um, and I think the other part of our question is actually staying informed on world events. And I don't think I'm perfect at that. Like, I think I could always be better about staying informed, but I think the two are related. So until, until you create a media diet that feels healthy to you, I don't even think you'll want to learn more about the world around you. Does that make sense? So it's almost about like keeping, keeping that other stuff at bay so that you can actually feel engaged and enjoy the information that you're getting. And then you may find like, oh, I'm really interested in this. April mentioned, I didn't read this part, but she mentioned she's a full-time working mom in a um, position where she does need to know about global economics and things like that. And was feeling like work pressure to be more informed. So I think it's like, one thing before the other, making sure that you 
aren't feeling anxiety produced by the news you consumed. And then maybe, maybe it's a book, maybe it's a long form article. Yes. Maybe it's a podcast specific to one thing. I feel like I learned, I learned so much from different deep dive, deep dive podcasts. Um, but there, it almost feels like entertainment, not news. Cause I'm going right. down one specific rabbit hole. So, well, and, and we've, we've mentioned this before and I think it just bears repeating that, Hey, we can't, it's impossible to know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can all go through uh, phases where it feels more manageable to really focus on local news or to focus on something that's not exactly like news at all, right? But some other kind of information. And if what April really needs is to keep in touch with or to keep kind of tabs on world economics, I mean, there's two there's two things happening here. Like there's the structure of the world and the economics that take place within it, which you could read a book that's 10 years old and they're still going to be relevant mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And then there's like the stuff that's happening every day that affect that. Right. Those systems. And like, those are two different things, but she can't probably know everything about all of it. Right. Yep. So, and, and that's it's not okay. worth taking it in if it's part of the machine that's producing anxiety, which is, I right. think what she was kind of getting at. So I say, find the, find the consumption like diet that works for you and then figure out how to bring in those, those specific areas that you want to learn more about. So, all right. Well, that was really fun. I don't know that we solved anything today, but we sure we surely did discuss it. We tried our best. <laughs> we tried our best. <laughs> okay, everyone, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. And as a reminder, you can submit a question to us and we may feature it on the show. We especially love to hear your voice. So check the show notes and you'll find out more about how to send in a voicemail question. Yes, we love it. And we hope you guys will keep sending those in. Well, Merry Christmas this week to those who celebrate. Happy Hanukkah to those celebrating Hanukkah this week. Again, we will be back with you on Tuesday. That'll be New Year's Eve and we'll have an episode for you then. And yeah, have a wonderful week, everyone. We'll talk to you then. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits in self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone. The books come in a variety of sizes with beautiful cover options and binding styles to choose from, and they start at just $15. Plus, we have a great deal just for our listeners. Use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20% off your purchase. Just download the Chatbooks app and use code THEMOMHOUR20 to save 20%.